There are a million podcasts out there. I know, I just checked, 3.2 million as of January of 2023. And you landed here. We're so glad you're listening to the Worship Leader Toolbox. My name is Dave John. And this is Tim Price. And our mission is to provide a podcast for worship leaders and team members in local churches. Today we want to talk about what is life like as a worship leader? Before we get started, any other podcasts you've been listening to, Tim? Yeah, I, I listened to a few podcasts, kind of started a long time ago, and it continues. Most often it's um, Craig Grishel's Leadership Podcast comes out the first Thursday of the month, and uh, Carrie Newhoff, I listen to his when the title kind of catches me. Sometimes I've listened to Andy Stanley. Sometimes I listen to a, a homeschool podcast, which is interesting. And lately I've been listening to a podcast from Brant and Sherry called The Oddcast, and Brant has written a lot of great books, and I've read a few of those. And um, he has a uh, a podcast that's more of like a radio show, and that's what he was, you know, in all these years radio. And so it's pretty funny to to listen to. It's pretty light and lively as far as podcast goes. So it's pretty cool. Nice. And I like that it's called the Oddcast. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I've always listened to uh, Car Talk off of uh, NPR when it was on a radio station. Uh, when I was a truck driver, and so I found the podcast when I stopped being a truck driver, and I listen to that when I'm driving, which is not actually very often. I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts um, because my job is in my house, teach online, and so. Um, but I do listen to that when I'm driving, and then my cousin turned me on to uh, Men in the Arena, and there's a really cool speech by one of the presidents. I'm not very good with history, but talking about. Um, uh, just men stuff in general. Huh. That's cool. Well, I think podcasts are pretty amazing, and, but you're right. It has to be like the right place because you can't just sit down on your couch and put on a podcast and sit there and listen. You kind of almost have to be doing something. Yeah. Unless yeah. you know it's going to be so meaty that you need to take notes. True. True. But yeah, if you're in your own home and you put earbuds in and you're sort of um, blocking everybody else out, that's not very uh, family oriented. And if you Blast it on your speakers, and the whole house hears it, and they don't really want to listen to it. That's not very family-oriented either. So it's, yeah, it's that, kind of a... that's the way it is in the car. Most often in the morning when I'm typing and writing on the blogs and whatnot, I listen to music in earbuds. <clears throat> but if I am ever just exercising or driving or taking a walk by myself, then mm -hmm. I put on podcasts for some reason. Yeah. But I can't type and have a podcast going. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be one or the other. Now on to today's conversation. Maybe you're thinking of taking a worship ministry role and you wonder what it'll be like. Maybe you're at a season in life where you're trying to figure out your calling and career choices. We thought we might share five basics to let you know what a worship leader does in ministry. Yeah, and this will be a simple podcast, but um, before we begin these five things, uh, the main kind of caveat to all this is that worship leaders are just people, just like everybody else, disciples, learners, children of God. They aren't like superheroes. They aren't you know, some special, super elite, spiritual people, they're frail and fail just as often as like everybody does. But in a world that seems to elevate worship leaders, at least right now, and maybe it's changing a bit, but the worship genre, the worship styles, the worship videos, the emphasis in, in churches about worship and production and connection that way from the stage, you really only see the tip of the iceberg for somebody. And um, much like a sermon that lasts about 25 or 30 minutes, it requires 
so many hours to craft that. And so the four or five songs that somebody sings on Sunday morning may take 15 to 40 minutes, depending on your style and your church. But it's the small outcome of an entire week, month, really lifetime of planning and learning and growing. I mean, all those things. So it's super important in the church. I don't want to discount it at all, but in, in these, uh, this idea of the life of a worship leader, <coughs> we don't want to get caught up in like the, ooh, ah, of like, ooh, cool. That's, that's the best job in the world. Worship leaders get up in the morning, they get their instrument, they get their coffee, they get their brown bag lunch, and they just like get to work. And, and that's just the way it is. So, so what would be your superhero worship leader name? <laughs> yeah, what are the formulas for that? I always see those on the internet. You take your like I don't you said elevation, so I thought elevator. Elevator. Oh yeah. Wow, that's actually that's a pretty good one because that's kind of one of the goals. Uh one one time I one time I heard a podcast, uh a girl on a podcast, this one, um I don't remember the episode number, but she likened a worship leader to a tour guide. And Ooh. so you, you don't get all excited about the transportation to the destination. You get excited about the destination. Wow. And, and so I thought that was pretty neat. That's right. So I guess Tour Guide could be a, that's not a superhero name though. But Yeah. But that reminds me though, I mean, we should be more creative. I'm just not, I'm just not a big like superhero guy. If you were talking to some of my other friends, they would rattle off names right and left. Yeah. But I do like the idea of um, the better is one day in this house passage from Psalms where it says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than be rich and famous in my own world. Like, basically, that's a huge paraphrase. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The doorkeeper role in the house of the Lord. So tour guide or doorkeeper, that's a couple terms for worship leader. Nice. I like it. So here are five aspects of the life of a worship leader on a day-to-day basis. Discipleship, communication, music, organization, and recruiting. Yeah, each of these takes on different form and intensity based on the season of ministry. And everybody has their own unique style here. Like you might be part-time, you might be full-time, you might be volunteer, you might have a day job, you may not. There's just too many variables to just, you know, um, pinpoint each individual aspect. But these are five things that every worship leader has to do on some level, no matter what they uh, what their status is in a church. So we get throw out anything about some of these. Um, between these five, discipleship, <coughs> communication, music, organizing, and recruiting, probably some of the easiest for me to do is the, um, well, I, I, we, we should probably have ranked these. It's hard if you're a listener out there to visualize this, but um, most often people think worship leader is just about music. And of course there is the planning and charting and chords and creativity and new songs and all that stuff. But in my mind, it seems like I'm probably more focused on recruiting and organizing and letting the music kind of come out uh, based on that. So if you can recruit and develop people and um, have all the rehearsal and details together and be raising up the next generation of leaders and volunteers and all that, then the music and this other stuff is probably going to start coming out a little more crisply. And, Mm -hmm. of course, communication – Sometimes worship leaders get a bad rap for communication because you got to text everybody and let everybody know what's going on in a timely manner, and and um, you got to have pretty good rhythms to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, discipleship um, is in every other role in the church. Uh, I think having a person who is discipling you, who is mentoring you, and then someone for you to also be mentoring and discipling is uh, real important in worship because you haven't been 
around all the blocks. You, you've only been around some, and you need to always be learning. But you've been around a few blocks, and that's worth sharing with someone and, and helping them along. That is two good things. Uh, I was thinking discipleship, like help others sort of grow in their faith, because we don't want people just to be all work and, and no fruit from that. Like ministry together is a form of discipleship, but I mean, it's a solid form of, you know, life together community. But what you just brought up, that's really true too, that we need to find places for ourselves to be discipled, our own discipline in a sense of quiet times and prayer and all that. But also just the discipleship of being around other leaders who kind of help temper the the day-to-day craziness. And like you said, people around the block, if you get around, you know, somebody 10, 15, 20 years older than you, they're going to temper those things that you say when you feel like this is the worst day ever. And you're like, no, that's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a drop in the bucket of, of the experiences that cause stress. You don't yeah. need to worry about that. And so um, that, that mentoring works both ways for sure. Yeah. And if you can't get with uh, an actual live person, um, I consider some of this time together, Tim, some, some mentoring. You're older than me. You've been doing this longer than I have. Um, but if you can't get around somebody who's actually uh, live in person, there's some, um, there's some good Facebook groups uh, I've been part mm-hmm. of for a, a little while. I think we're actually both part of one particular one. Yeah. I think I saw, I saw you comment the other day. Uh, but having somebody tell their story, hey, I don't know what to do in this situation, and then 10 people chime in, oh, this is what you should do. That, yep. to me, is uh, the next best thing to, to read these oh, responses. Definitely. Yep, social media stuff really does make a difference. And what I really love is you make a comment, people start answering, and then they start getting upset with each other and start answering each other. And pretty soon you just kind of leave. And a couple of days later, you look back, 100 comments of people getting upset with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You always, have the, you always have the crazy side of that. But oh, yeah. it is true that we put something out. Uh, you get a big enough group, you know, 20,000 people or something. Mm-hmm. Somebody's sitting around on Facebook that day and they had time to read and respond. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty powerful. Well, I think, um, you know, these, these five things, uh, like I said, take place based on um, your level of involvement in your church, but music is usually the one that people see the most, but you always have to back up. So what comes before music? Well, uh, communicating that your team has to be there and know these songs and what comes before that? Well, probably this idea of, you could make an argument for any order, but discipleship, if you don't have people that are willing to be faithful to the church, you're not going to have a team to be there to do music with. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, you know, not doing recruiting of people, then you're not going to be able to disciple them and organizing. All those things just work together. If something isn't quite clicking, you can always back up a couple steps and say why. And it's that little theory of asking why 10 times gets you to the root. So I haven't heard that one 10 times or something like that. I can't exactly remember, but I just remember. So why do I feel this way? I feel this way because of this. Well, why do I feel this way because of this? And just kind of keep backing down. Okay. And and pretty soon you get to a point where you're um, able to kind of more clearly identify the question <coughs> for sure. But often the question kind of becomes the answer in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, about organization, I've seen lots of tools like the Planning Center and some of these other ones. Uh, and they also help with communication. Um, reminder, you are you have volunteered for this particular Sunday, blah, blah, blah. Yep. there's a lot of tools for that. And what I haven't seen, maybe I just haven't been looking, but what I haven't seen is the tools for developing uh, the musicianship. So uh, learning your, your instrument, learning how to gel with a band, all that kind of stuff. Have you seen resources for that? 
Well, that's that's great, and I think I mean some of that is just growing for sure. Mm-hmm. But one resource that we actually subscribe to is um, something called worshipartistry.com. And so, if you ever just look at that, I don't, I don't know if there's like a free version or if you can do samples or what, but um, it's pretty slick. I mean, they basically have uh, the a big, huge selection of the going modern songs, and you can click on there and the drummer will give you a live tutorial basically not not not, not live but a, a video of the drummer doing the part with the song and the bass and the guitar and the keys and the vocals and you can listen to the whole thing or you can listen to the parts and they kind of break it down based on you know here's the intro here's the verses here's the chorus here's the bridge here's what you do so what you just described is sort of worship artistry and they have the chords and stuff too that you can get but there's probably some other things too and yeah. sometimes youtube is you know, if you're a drummer, for whatever reason, drummers do covers all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're a drummer and you need to learn how to do whatever song, you could go to YouTube and definitely get it for free. Yeah. yeah. And probably guitar, too. I haven't really researched that that much. Well, now that I say that, I am remembering there's specifically a um, a worship leader uh, YouTube channel, and it, it mostly does guitar. I, th- I think it might even call it your worship guitar. And they do a really good job of taking um, the top songs, the latest songs, and showing you which guitar patch. So so they usually work with the, um, I think it's the Helix. Uh, they have a particular um, pedal. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole pedal system, whatever it is. Uh, and they will send you the patch and, and uh, teach you line by line and all that. And I think that is wonderful. That's good. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, can, you can play to the song. I think developing musicianship in general, uh, just learning the ins and outs of your instrument to me when it's more personal when it's one person teaching another person in live mm-hmm. in person is is just so much better so i would encourage anybody out there who knows an instrument really well to start just sharing that with people uh, especially people in your band but then other people that might be potential band members in the future yeah. uh just starting to share that yeah and, and i don't know what's going to happen to you one of these days dave because that comes out in a lot of your conversations of helping people learn and help people grow and and um, some of it is just organic because, like, you want to do this song, so you got to show your guitar player here's what I here's what I at least know of the lick, and uh-huh. try to go home and learn this or whatever. Uh-huh. Or you're telling the drummer, "Hey, we're going to try a country beat on this song, and here's what a country beat is like." And in that sense, a worship leader doesn't always have to be the band director. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the same person. Most often, it's probably the same person. But it's you know not everybody's not everybody's necessarily gifted with the language of speaking to a keyboard player, drummer, bassist, guitarist. But, um, but yeah, if you, if you got an instrument and you could just share it, I just got an email from a lady who plays dulcimer and she's getting ready to uh, sign up a bunch of, uh, she's bringing a bunch of dulcimers to camp this summer and she's oh, wow. everybody to play. So that'd be fun if you're going to be there again. Uh, is it Epworth? <laughs> I yeah. I can't remember if it's the family camp, like the three day or the five day. Oh, so I'll, I'll, t- I'll be at the five day. Yeah. I'll have to find out which one. I'll, I'll bring my dulcimer too. <clears throat> Yeah, bring along. And I'll bring my strum stick. I'll just tell strum you. Strum stick. One of the th- Did I tell you about the strum stick thing? Well, yeah. I actually saw <laughs> one over at Music Folk in St. Louis. It is a sweet little thing. Simple. It is. Yeah. And so me and some of the guys in the church are making some. Uh, I want to distribute them out to people and use them as a gateway instrument for the people who think, oh, I can't play music. You can play this. This is mm-hmm. a, a wonderful it's little one string finger instrument. And you could string it, tune them different things. It'd be hilarious to be, it'd be like harmonicas, be up there and have like eight string sticks for the different keys of each song. Yeah, yeah. That'd work. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, these five things are, are basically if, if you, 
uh, not everybody does all five perfectly. So if you have three out of the five and you can really capitalize on those discipleship or communication, music, organizing or recruiting, then you can, you can be effective in ministry and then pull others around you to help with the other stuff. But that's pretty neat. Each of these takes on different forms and intensity for each season of ministry. And though everyone develops their own schedule, this might be one potential weekly calendar. Yeah, I thought I could just run through this idea of a potential weekly calendar, and then we can say something about it if we want to, but this will be quick. So you ready for this? Mm. <laughs> um, and, and everybody can look at this on the blog post at worshipleadertoolbox.com. But Sunday, the start of the week, you lead music and worship, talk, visit with people, pray with your team, talk with your team, make notes about that week and what you got to do the coming week. And then you take a break in the afternoon, evening. And this is assuming like a full-time, semi-full-time worship role. And I started on Sunday because Sunday is the first day of the week, even though calendars all over the world think Monday is. Mm-hmm. But, um, most calendars actually do start with Sunday, but then work calendars. Drives me crazy. The Monday start throws me off. And then Monday, a block of time for scheduling, make the making sure the schedule looks good for a month or two, working on song selections and chord charts to finalize these before this week's rehearsal for like... Uh, you know, a lot of times maybe you're two weeks ahead. Sometimes you're for that week and whatever it is, as long as it's kind of regular. And then Monday's also good responding to emails and texts and sending thank you notes. Tuesday might be a planning meeting with a pastor or a worship leadership team meeting with staff. If you're in the church world like that, prepping a stage or details for the next day's rehearsal, working with any projection or lyric stuff that needs to happen on Sunday, talking through ideas for the future. Wednesday might be another good day to respond to anyone wanting to be a part of the team, gearing up to recruit people or uh, in, you know invite people in to prepare things for the midweek rehearsal that might be Wednesday evening, and maybe meet with lunch for somebody or breakfast with uh, somebody in your church, somebody new, you know, somebody on your staff, or meet with some sort of worship leader cohort group or something like that. Listen to a podcast or catch up on social media groups like we talked about. Um, be sure to use scripture and planning in your life devotion so that you can be in sync with God's leading for your church and worship. And then Thursday is just like last minute stuff for Sunday, any administration details, writing, posting for church publications and social media, make any last minute changes to the worship flow, uh, double check people, all the stuff you need to do for that. And then Friday and Saturday could be like Sabbath weekend, home time stuff. And of course, this whole schedule is kind of a description of my life. <laughs> so I know that other people have other ways of doing things. I know some people are worn out after Sunday, especially if you do Saturday night worship. So Monday might be the day off and then you get into the, you know, the rhythm starting on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But either way, <clears throat> if it seems daunting to figure out how to really pull off discipleship, communication, music, organizing, recruiting effectively for your church and for the future, then um, one way to do that is just to break it down. You have five days of work, and you break down each of those so that you're, you've got a block each week ready for making that happen. Uh-huh. I want to emphasize the Sabbath day. Um, it's really hard in today's society with uh, a lot of people have six days of work, uh, six days that they're required by their job, and then maybe they're off on Sunday. But if you're a worship leader or a pastor, um, and you, you're bi- bivocational, I think it was called where you mm-hmm. have a day job. Um, that makes it an extra challenge. And so here recently, uh, Leanne has been really talking about, my wife Leanne has been talking yeah. about um, uh, the importance of taking a Sabbath. And for me, it was, oh, well, I'm already off Saturdays. I don't work Saturdays. And then we do our thing on Sundays. But what are we actually doing on Saturday? Is it full with a bunch of busy work? 
or are we actually resting uh, and uh, and taking that time to recuperate, to refresh, and all that? So mm-hmm. I just want to emphasize that Sabbath. That, yeah, that's huge, and and it is tougher if you aren't full time in ministry because you you're balancing a lot of stuff. But I recently read a book by uh, uh, Robert Morris, pastor at Gateway Church down in Texas, and the book was called "Take the Day Off," and it was all about the Sabbath. But it was about Sabbath in a sense that um, uh, it gave me a different perspective on a few things. One of them is is that sometimes I think we think Sabbath has to be like sit around, quiet, not do anything, maybe watch a movie, even just like lay on the couch all day. And that's really a bad example. I mean, that might be part of a Sabbath, but it's kind of a bad example because really what a Sabbath does is opens up space in your life to um, kind of hear from God's voice differently, just to be in communion with with the Lord. And so a Sabbath could be mowing grass if you find communion with the Lord and being out in your yard or taking a hike or being on a boat or any number of things that isn't your normal workflow. Mm-hmm. So a Sabbath probably isn't recording a bunch of podcasts because that's what you do on a regular day <laughs> or um, writing a bunch of stuff or planning a bunch of schedules or songs. But listening to music could be a Sabbath. So it's like, it's just interesting take. But the key is to have that time block of 24 hours, you know, give or take, just um, for the sake of being able to say, the world doesn't revolve around me. I don't have to work every day. This is God's church. This isn't my thing. If I don't make it in there one day a week, the church is going to keep going. It's going to survive. Everything's going to be fine. My soul is going to be better. I'm going to be more connected to God. And not doing that is kind of a statement to say, I'm super important. If I'm not here, it's going to fall apart. And all, I mean, it's just like a, the opposite of that. So it hardly matters what you do on the Sabbath as long as you're uh, taking a break and um, saying, Lord, it's your church. It's your ministry. My life is yours, and I'm just going to hang out today. And Amen. so that's pretty neat for uh, – I mean, I, I, I go on seasons and spurts with that, but that book recently kind of got me fired up. So my Sabbath this week is Friday because every other day is chock full. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that should be a, a plaque on your desk. What? Every day my, is chock full. My my Sabbath is Friday because every other day is chock full. <laughs> my mom, my mom told me that she heard somebody say that you get to a certain age in life and you say next week should slow down a little bit, and then she said that you say that every week until you die. <laughs> <laughs> well, eventually it will slow down quite a bit. Yeah, eventually it will definitely slow down. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for listening, and we can't wait until next time. See you, Tim. Yep. See you later.